The legal views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute or contain legal advice. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. I'm joined by my co-host, Dave. How's it going, Dave? I got a haircut. He did. Looks good. Yeah. Sharp. So that's how I'm doing. Yeah. Got a haircut. Is that all you did today? Well, no. Actually, I uh, did an orientation for a uh, pro bono immigration event that's going to take place here in Miami, Florida uh, next weekend. So I'll hopefully uh, help out some people uh, applying for uh, citizenship. Oh, bless you. Oh, thank Look you very you. much. Yes. Could you helping the people? Yes. Um, have you done anything like that, Ryan, recently? Well, you know, most of my pro bono work has been sort of concentrated on just helping a bunch of artists who can't afford legal work. And Right, yes. Yeah, so by by, by, by uh, charging them for your book. Right. I forgot how magnanimous of you. Yeah. I mean, that's part of it. Yeah. I mean, that's a big part of it. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. I'm. You know, some of them I give a small discount to, like instead of the, you know, in, you know, for the, for the poor artists, instead of the uh, standard twenty three ninety five price point for the book, I'll let them have it for a solid twenty. Twenty three ninety five. This is, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't heard, seen this, this is a hardcover I have of this. It's like it's like War and Peace. <laughs> I mean, feel that volume. Hey, maybe, maybe, maybe flip the pages in front yeah. of the mic there. There it is. Look at that. He's still going. He's still going. That's just the introduction. <laughs> Get ready for the acknowledgments. Well, no. I, <laughs> I had Ten to pages of that is just me. I had to thank a lot of people. It, true enough. Yeah. Um, well, no. I, I mean, I do some pro bono work just giving legal work for artists. But granted, like what I'm doing is not as like good and holy as helping people with immigration work. You know, you're... I think people sometimes forget that we're actually lawyers that do lawyer stuff because they just hear us making yeah. fart jokes and stuff on this podcast. We don't make fart jokes. We're, we're more highbrow than that. That's fair. <laughs> If you want to get in touch with the Break the Business <laughs> podcast, you can email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. If you email us, uh, you can send us some show questions if you want to ask us stuff to answer on the air, whether it's music industry related or more fart joke related, whatever you want. If you want to sing the praises of Fred McMurray, no. which we haven't talked about in a while. Yeah, you have, you have not made that reference in a while. Yeah, um, I think it, I may have to do that If week. you just want to comment on the show, if you want to you know, just maybe propose topics that you want us to talk about... We're very much benefiting from your input. If there's, if you're an artist and there's something on the show that you want us to discuss more to help your own career, that's what we're here for, man. We take requests. We're a piano bar, basically. You can follow me on Twitter yeah. at Ryan K A I R. You can follow Dave on Twitter at D K A Y E one zero two seven. There you go. I almost forgot. Um, and along the way, if you want to support our podcast, which we'd very much appreciate. Uh, there's a variety of ways you can do it. Um, the most obvious way is to just subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes, rate and review us on those sites. It helps move us up. But I think mm-hmm. the biggest one, and maybe the one that people don't necessarily think about immediately, but Dave, you can certainly agree that this is really helpful, is just telling a friend. I mean, that's true. Yeah. you're a big podcasting guy, right? I mean, oh, yeah. You, you have a lot of podcasts, and I'm sure... I, I listen mean, to a lot of podcasts. I don't have a lot of podcasts. True. Yeah, you're right. That's what I meant. I wish I, wish I did. <laughs> That'd be cool. If you just like, you know, all, like you're, you're Chris Hardwick just on a bunch, like 50 different shows. Oh, God, with his money, too. Oh, right. Um, all right. You, you listen to a lot of podcasts. Yes, I You're do. sort of an aficionado on it. And you know that a lot of these podcasts, they, they don't, you know, they, they're not, they don't have TV commercials. They grow from word of mouth. 
No, they don't have TV commercials, but they do have podcast commercials. No, I understand, but like you know, th- you know that kind of word of mouth, that kind of stuff matters. So tell a friend. Yes, let us let let people know about the stuff we're doing. Yes, if we want this to be like Nerdist, which has right now they're on episode seven hundred and ninety something. We gotta, you know, we need people to talk about it. Yeah. Right now, we're just on twenty eight. It's not bad. No, no, this is good. I, you know, this is great. Honest assessment: Did you think we were going to get to twenty eight when we started? I don't know. I guess not, because I, I, I thought maybe you were just going to like uh, go until the release point, and that was it. <laughs> like, the whole thing was just going to be for the book, and then once the book was out, I was going to cut you loose? Yeah. Oh, no way, man. I love yeah. doing this too much. Well, how are we going to do this when I move out to California? I don't know. I'm kind of hoping that's just bluster, and you're going to stay here in no, my life forever. No! I, I, I would hate to live in Miami the rest of my life. Why? Because of all the sunshine and, you know, gorgeous weather and, you know, no state income tax. Okay, I was going to say, California has weather and sunshine, too. And a terrible tax burden. I need you in my life, man. Like, I'm kind of hoping, because I know you want to go to L.A., but I'm just kind of hoping that you're just going to it's not. my dream to go back home to Los Angeles. Your dreams? What about what I want and how that should be more important than your dreams? Did you consider that? We could take this to a really dark place <laughs> if you want. You already know what we could talk about here, but it's going to derail the show. No, okay, man. this Miami <laughs> is a prison without any cells, right? It is horrible <laughs> and depressing. Um, That's what happens when you get divorced, folks. You want to leave. Oh, man. Well, no, I, I, I'll tell you this. You know what? You'll go through the same thing, too, buddy. Oh, gosh. How could you say that? What, man? Just join, join your friend Dave over here, all right? It's okay. <laughs> we can just be hanging out on each other's couches man. until we're like 65. Thank God just... my fiance doesn't listen to this show. For many reasons, yes. You know. Well, because, you know, my, my fiance, you know, she, she doesn't listen to this podcast. She's not an entertainment person. You know, she doesn't keep up on what's going on. She's in the not an entertainment industry. person. It makes it sound like, honey, do you want to go see something entertaining? No, no. <laughs> but I just want to sit here and hold broccoli. What if this is the episode where she just says, you know, I should take a greater interest in what my fiance is doing. I need to be more supportive of him in this area. And this is the one where she picks up her iPhone, goes to the little podcast app, downloads, I don't know, episode 28. Let's start with the most recent one. Mm-hmm. And here's you advocating for the dissolution of my marriage that hasn't even happened yet. So actually, there we go. You're already going to save money. (laughs) Oh my God. Coming up (laughs) next in the next segment, we got Aaron M. Jacobson. She's a friend of the show. She's going to talk to us about the uh, Kesha, Dr. Luke saga. There's been a lot of developments this past week about Mm -hmm. this uh, particular back and forth litigation, um, including rumors that Sony music might be dropping Dr. Luke from the label. Uh, Dr. Luke is, of course, denying these rumors, as you imagine he would, but it's caused an explosion on social media all over again. This case is crazy to me, Dave. I've never seen Twitter Mm -hmm. take such interest in an entertainment industry litigation before. This is sort of unforeseen in the social media realm. Like normally these kind of highly technical contract law court cases, common people just, they'll say, okay, tell me who wins at the end and then I'll get outraged about it. Mm -hmm. But this one, people are following it very closely. But before we get to Aaron Jacobson, before we bring her in here, we're going to just talk about a couple quick music industry stories that I Mm -hmm. thought were really cool, including one that was sort of a callback to an episode we did about a month ago. And I can't wait to talk about that. But first, uh, from the verge, I was reading this article uh, the other day in the verge, uh, Dave, in which Olivia Wilde, uh, the actress, is directing mm-hmm. the latest Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros uh, song, No Love Like Yours. 
And what was interesting about her approach is the only reason Olivia Wilde was willing to direct the video is they had the band had to be willing to let her shoot the video on an iPhone. That was that was her condition, I guess. Like if you want Olivia Wilde, she wants to do it with an iPhone. That makes it basically so that that to me that screams she just doesn't want to do it, guys. <laughs> she doesn't want to. Like, that yeah. was like the extreme, like you know, oh my god, pie in the sky offer. You know what? Just say fine. Tell these people I don't even never even heard of. Also, I've never heard of them. You never um, heard of Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros? I like how you say that with such an inflection, like the Beatles. You never <laughs> heard of them? You never heard of Edward Sharp and the Magnetic? Z- no. Perish the thought. I have not. <laughs> It's one of Edward Sharp of the Magnetic Zeros is one of those bands that you have to shorten their name because you have to say Edward Sharp of the Magnetic Zeros every single time. Well, because you don't want to leave the Magnetic Zeros out. Because Edward Sharp is a guy in like rural Scotland that has a bunch of other like Celtic albums to his name. Edward Sharp and and the Magnetic Zeros Zeros, is one of those bands that you don't think you know, but you actually know because they have one of those songs that you've heard like in every third movie trailer. Every indie Wes Anderson Sundancey kind of movie uh-huh. has the Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zero song "Home" as their trailer music. Uh, like I'll play the song for you later. You'll you'll know. Uh, okay. But anyway, what I thought was interesting about this um, story. So, so yeah, so she did this all on an iPhone, which again seems to me just like she didn't want to do it. Yeah, maybe she's like, okay, I'll do it, but like I don't want to have to buy any equipment. Like I'm literally gonna get out of the car. And pull out my iPhone and shoot this, and then I'm getting in my car and going back to Oh, Hollywood. no, 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 not even that. You come to my hotel, we'll light it, I'm doing this project right now, take it or leave it, Well, that's it. Joking aside, the video came out really well. You can check it out uh, on, on The Verge and on many of the other websites that are carrying it. You wouldn't know it was shot on an on anything other than a regular camera if right. I didn't tell you it was. Well, actually, well, that's interesting. How do we know it was shot on an iPhone? Well, there's pictures of her shooting it, and you know. Wait, are there there are pictures of her shooting it? Yes. Not video. No, I'm, there might be video too. Because she could be there, and right behind is like a a digital like IMAX camera, or something that the cinematographer from Revenant who won the Oscar, like he's behind her. <laughs> and they're like, "Oh yeah, she did it on an iPhone. Look at that." I bet. The, and behind him is Tim Cook going like, "Yes, yes, more sales." Well, in all fairness. <laughs> In all fairness, she did use a special lens that attached to the phone that just allowed for the same kind of um, uh, dimensions that you would see in a common video camera. But how do you attach a lens to this thing? Well, there's like it's like a little attachment thing. You just clip it onto the side. But the point is, the video came out beautifully, and it kind of made me happy to see it because I was like, I write in my book, "Break the Business." There's a whole chapter on making videos, and one of the things I talk about that other artists have shared to me is that uh-huh. they've been able to make great music videos on their own. With just an iPhone. And now that you have the latest version of the iPhone that's got a 4K camera, as do many of the you know Samsung and other smartphones do, it really helps narrow or level the playing field for indie artists to make the same kind of quality videos that top you know signed artists make. Next story from the rap.com. Dave, if you remember last month, we talked a lot about the contract for the reality TV show Songland. The Adam Levine show, yes. Yeah, this Adam Levine project where he was trying to create his own sort of music talent show because he didn't like the way that The Voice, uh, the show he was currently on, sort of exploited artists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this one was actually having singers write their songs this time, not karaoke. Yeah, which I, I kind of thought was a cool concept. I gave him credit for that. Mm-hmm. But as you and I pointed out a month ago, 
there were all kinds of problems with this Songland contract. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it sort of, you know, the artist didn't get any royalties and they could sort of get, you know, they, they were permitted to kind of have a psychologist interview the artist and then use everything they learned on the show. Right. And we were saying a month ago that this contract was a mess for the artist and we didn't think it was a good idea for anybody to sign it. Mm-hmm. Fast forward a month later. Mm-hmm. This Songland contract and all the problems with it has been a huge story. I mean, you know, all these different media outlets and all these entertainment lawyers have been coming out blasting the Songland contract. Right. And I got to tell you, Dave, I kind of feel like we were ahead of the curve on this one. Are they citing us as a source? Uh, no, actually. Oh, well, that's, yeah. that's unusual. Well, you know what we should do? Hmm. Toot our own horn. We should toot our own horn. We... Hated. We should have like a horn sound effect for that. Well, we kind of do. We? we? It's like a no. Don't we have? And, and yeah. Is I mean, that is that a horn? Oh well, I guess no. That's the um the birthday unfurling thingy. Okay, that's so, the closest thing we have to a horn. So do you want to toot our own birthday unfurling thingy? Okay, fine. Do it. Yeah, yeah. we were ahead of the curve on this one. We, we were beat everybody. We did beat everybody, and again, you know, we cite sources here. Yeah, so, get on you know, that, people. We can expect, we should expect a little bit of professionalism for these so-called, you know, major outlets. But I think the the moral of the story is, folks, they're not the major outlet. We're the major outlet. Pay I'm attention just, to us. <laughs> that's right. We hated on the Songland contract before it was cool, and you know, there's been a lot of coverage about it, and all of the coverage has sort of pushed NBC to soften its Songland artist agreement a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. So a not completely. Bit. Not completely. Um, but so much enough that like all the people who are hating on the Songland contract are like, we won. And they didn't really uh. win. But here's 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 what they changed. Okay. The original language for the applicants said that for any song that was submitted, because you know, to get onto Songland, you have to submit an original song, mm-hmm. and then whoever win, you know, whoever are the best ones get to be on the show. And what the original contract said is that for every song that was submitted, the artist waives any claims to royalties of any kind, including copyright, public performance, mechanical, and sync royalties. Right. That's a big deal. They they These own the real, song. Yeah. yeah. It, essentially, yes. They own this. Like when you if you if you own the rights to not have to pay any royalties, it's basically your song, and it stinks because one of the greatest sources of incomes uh, for songwriters that have anything to do with this show are those synchronization royalties. Right. You know, the the fee to get your song on the show. I mean. The the really the only winners on American Idol are not the people that win American Idol. It's the acclaimed recording artists that have their songs sung on American Idol, and they get a ton of money in sync royalties mm-hmm. for that. Right, and they're trying to get the artists to waive that stuff. And you know, but and so people said, okay, this is you know, they, NBC said, okay, you know what, this is maybe perhaps a little too evil. Mm-hmm. So we'll take the evil down by five percent. And say, only if you are selected to be a participant on the program do you have to waive all these rights to royalties. That's interesting, because so actually it was the fact that if you just tried to be an applicant to the songs, so if 10,000 people apply, and there's only like 10 of them on the show, they now have basically 10,000 songs that have been submitted to them that they could distribute to their stable of artists to be like, oh, well, um, oh, this actually this ain't bad. Let's see what Rihanna can do with this. Under the old contract, um, yeah. they would have a lot more freedom with those songs. Yes, yeah. they could. They could play any of those ten thousand songs all over the show, anytime they want to. They could give them to other artists, as you said, for them mm-hmm. to sing on the show, and that and that artist would get no credit for it. And so they they limited it only to the people who were selected to be on the show. 
and everybody and you know so everybody on the who everybody who was like putting pressure on NBC is all over Twitter going yay we won mm-hmm. you didn't really win a damn thing like they're still not paying all these royalties to artists yeah you've just lessened the un- or you, you yeah you've decreased the universe of people affected by this right but there's still people going to be affected by this that's exactly and and you know and furthermore it doesn't actually fix all of the other problems that we identified mm-hmm. in the agreement which by the way all of the other articles that I saw on Twitter this past week, none of them talked about these other problems. They just huh. focused on this ownership of of songs. For example, remember we talked about with this the psych exam where mm-hmm. you can they they the studio psychologist will examine you before you can be on the show, and anything you tell them can be used on the show right. for ratings. Mm-hmm. So it's not really a psychologist because like psychologists have like doctor patient privilege. Yeah, no, this is basically just the office go- the os- o- the office gossip talking to you and basically <laughs> writing down like uh-huh oh that's juicy that's good he did what oh the more more tell me more. more yeah jot this down yeah. um and remember we said they could also go to your family and friends talk to your employers look up your motor vehicle records about ba- ba- background check your military records your consumer reports just to find any dirt they can on you and you know use it against you on the show Be- sell you to major heroin manufacturers in the jungles of laos well, it's it's interesting you bring up that because oh God. remember the agreement also said that their privacy policy says they can sell your info to third parties. That's true, right? So, well, <laughs> I mean, that's what's funny about all this is that oh, like, it's like sorry, Jerry, you were voted off the show this week, so you know what that means. Send him to the Golden Triangle, folks, or he'll be, <laughs> you know, harvesting poppies. For the Southeast Asian drug lords. Yay! All right. I'm sure you'll have some great creative stuff out of that. <laughs> um, and, of course, you waive your right to sue in connection with the program. Of so course. If they, if they edit you to make you look like a terrorist, you can't sue. Um, <laughs> That's great. It's like I, they, they go to the confessional. I, I, I knew there was something up when they started giving me these uh, ISIS memorabilia <laughs> and said it's for a music video. I was a little unsure at first. <laughs> well... I kind of want what I what I envision happening. Okay, so imagine like you're the NBC executive, mm-hmm. all right, and these news are coming in. And like some intern comes up to you and says, "Boss, the jig is up. They caught us. They they found out that this contract is totally incomprehensibly evil. Um, you know, we're, we we got to fix this." And then you know you'll sort of be like, "Okay, what did they say was wrong with it? Um, just this one tiny piece about the royalties. <laughs> oh, so the rest of it they didn't say anything." Yeah, like yeah. okay, all right, fine. Give it, give him that. Yeah, <laughs> throw that out. All right, it's just sort of funny how, you know, you get the you can get this Twitter public pressure, mm-hmm. and they can just clamp down on one of these big media organizations, and you can placate them so easily. Like the, these these crazy angry people. Like it's like you throw them a bone, and then they walk away. Okay, Songland's wonderful again. But that's social media, isn't it? Yeah, I mean that's like a, a lot of stuff you see these days, where it's just like everyone gets up in arms. They, it's like 15 minutes, someone kind of halfway appeases him, and then everyone goes away and moves on to the next thing. Yeah, let's, let's, you know, let's, let's go to the next uh, thing we're going to be angry about this week. But, you know, as long as you have your hashtag on there, you've done a good job today. Yeah. Yeah. I sent a like. (laughs) Yeah. That's my slacktivism is complete. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Slacktivism. Yeah. I wonder now if we're going to get barraged. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Like from NBC or? Oh, no, just for people because now we're, we're, we use the word slacktivism. How oh. dare you, Ryan and Dave? I'm out there on the front lines of my couch. Yeah. <laughs> I liked and retweeted that story, sir. I'm a hero. What else do you want me to do? I should be on Mount Rushmore. 
on Mount Rushmore. Yeah, that's how huge these people are. Anyway, but yeah, so it's good to know that Mr. Levine will still have his uh, horribly restrictive songwriting contest. Oh, no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, we got Aaron Jacobson coming up next to talk about the Kesha Dr. Luke litigation, and we'll see you next on the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. Shameless plug time. My new book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry is now available in paperback and an ebook. The book talks about how you can be your own boss in your music career and take control of your content creation, promotion, distribution, and fundraising. Get your copy on Amazon by searching Break the Business. It's a nice read for musicians and the people who love them. That's Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry. Thanks very much for your support. Welcome back to the Break the Business podcast. The ongoing litigation between recording artist Kesha and music producer Dr. Luke has become one of the more significant court cases in the modern music business. It has gripped social media and even has many of the biggest names in popular music weighing in with their thoughts. With recent rumors emerging this past week that Dr. Luke's record label Sony Music might be considering dropping him, the media attention on this case has intensified all the more. Not only is this case poised to significantly change the lives of the litigants involved, it may also bring about a shift in the way that artists, both signed and unsigned, interact with record labels and producers. Here to discuss all of that in this segment is entertainment lawyer and friend of the show, Aaron M. Jacobson. Aaron represents a wide range of music biz clients, and you can find her writings on the Sonic Bids blog and on her websites, themusicindustrylawyer.com and indieartistresource.com. Aaron, thanks for joining us again. My pleasure, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Very much our pleasure. For those who need to be caught up with the case, Aaron, can you give us some background on how the Kesha Dr. Luke saga got started? Sure. So Kesha was signed with Dr. Luke when she was about 18 years old. And fast forward, they've been working together about 10 years at this point. Um, Or or I guess I should say working together in quotes because (laughs) there's only been two albums out of a six album deal. But um, basically uh, about a a year and a half ago, Kesha filed a lawsuit to try and get out of her contract. And she has alleged all kinds of abuse, um, sexual abuse, uh, you know, drugs uh, that Dr. Luke gave her drugs that he sexually assaulted her while she was under the influence of these drugs that he gave her, other abuse, um, verbal abuse, emotional abuse, things like that. And so she is trying to cite those instances as a way to get out of her contract. And I I don't represent Dr. Luke or Kesha. That I think that should be stated. And uh, it's not... Not giving any legal advice, I guess I have to give that disclaimer. Right? Always useful, yeah. Yes, but uh, so through all these abuse allegations, and apparently the contract between Kesha and Dr. Luke has, it's rumored, it's in the news that it has been renegotiated within the time period that they have been under contract together, which is a typical thing in the music business. You do a contract. Once you get some success, usually the parties will end up renegotiating. But so now Kesha is suing to 
basically ask a court to say, end the contract, terminate this contract, let me out of the contract because of the abuse that I'm enduring under this agreement and this relationship with Dr. Luke. And if you don't let me out of this contract, my career is going to be over because he won't let me record with anybody else. So I'm just going to be stuck with him, not able to do anything, not able to record with anybody else. My career is going to stall and I'm not going to be able to get it back once, you know, once I spend the years waiting out the rest of this deal. Mm-hmm. And that takes us to basically this past month, where to the moment of this case that has appeared to attract the most attention, uh, certainly on social media, was the court's ruling in February on a preliminary injunction made by Kesha's lawyers. Uh, what was the substance of that preliminary injunction, and what happened there? Well, again, it was it was basically what I've said where we were leading up to is that she wanted to be let out of this contract because otherwise she her career would be over and she wouldn't be able to continue recording. During the proceedings for this injunction, Kesha's counsel was relying a lot on these allegations of abuse. But the problem was, is that when these instances of abuse supposedly happen, Kesha did not go to a hospital, the police, a doctor, anything like that. So there's no physical evidence of it. And it's more her word and word of people that she knows against Dr. Luke's word. And in previous depositions, which are done under oath, Kesha had been asked about whether Dr. Luke had sexually assaulted her and committed other instances of abuse. And she said no during these depositions. So the problem was she didn't have the actual evidence to back these allegations up. And the judge, well, I guess, so let me back up a second. So then Dr. Luke, he argued that he's invested a substantial amount of money, millions of dollars in her career, and that they were allowing her to record with another producer. So that way, She'd still be under contract with him, but they wouldn't actually have to be in a stu- in the studio together. Another producer could be working with her mm-hmm. in the studio. And so the judge felt that it wasn't her place to break up a contract when there was no substantial evidence of abuse and her there was a quote from her saying that her instinct was to do the commercially reasonable thing. And so she's looking at more from a business perspective because she doesn't have the actual evidence of these things that Kesha is alleging. And Kesha's attorney has said that Kesha is amenable to recording with Sony, but wants to be separate from Dr. Luke's company. And they just don't feel that the promise of, oh, Kesha can work with another producer is enough mm-hmm. because she would still be under the actual contract with Dr. Luke. 
A new development in this case emerged this past week when the Rap.com reported that record label Sony Music was expected to terminate its relationship with Dr. Luke. Uh, it should be noted that a representative of Dr. Luke has since denied the report, but um, I don't know to what extent uh, you might have your ear on the ground there in Los Angeles. But uh, do you have any insight on whether that might be true or uh, Luke's denials of those rumors or anything like that? So I'm going to stick to what's going on basically what's in the news because I can't speak to sort of the secrets going on within the industry for confidentiality purposes. But basically I'll back up. So people understand the situation between Dr. Luke and Kesha and Sony. So Kesha's not signed to Sony. Kesha is signed with Dr. Luke and then Dr. Luke's contract is licensed to Sony and they distribute the albums. Um, so when people are were on Sony's case saying Sony let Kesha out of her contract, Sony came forward saying we can't. We're actually not a party to the contract between Kesha and Dr. Luke. That's their contract, and then it's licensed to us. So we don't actually have the power to let her out. Then these rumors started that that Sony was going to drop Dr. Luke and they still have another year left on their agreement, the agreement between Sony and Dr. Luke. And then Dr. Luke's people came forward and said, that's absolutely not true. We have a great relationship with Sony and they're not going to be, Dr. Luke is not going to be dropped by Sony. What I can tell you is that this has become a big PR nightmare for Sony and they're wrapped into this thing and they have a lot of artists speaking out on behalf of Kesha, mostly female artists speaking out on behalf of Kesha, some of whom are Sony artists, some of whom have also worked with Dr. Luke. So that's, I could see where that could be an incentive for them, but however, from a contractual standpoint, they can't just say, oh, Dr. Luke, we're, we don't like this litigation matter that's happening with you and we just want to get rid of you. That would be a breach of a contract. They can't just unilaterally terminate the contract. And so for them to actually sever their relationship with Dr. Luke, it would have to be a mutual negotiation where they both say, okay, we agree to part ways, and I'm sure there'll be some large checks written in in regards to that as well. Ah, so if these rumors turn out to be true, uh, and, and you sort of touched on this when you talked about the relationship between these three organizations, but mm. uh, if they turn out to be true, how might that affect Kesha? There are a lot of folks on Twitter right now who reacted to this uh, these rumors with with. Joy, the people part of this so-called free Kesha movement, right. um, who would consider this a victory for Kesha. But I, I, you know, for me, just sort of being an observer of this situation, I'm not sure I see it because, as you noted, the deal with Luke is still in place, right? Correct. Yeah. So the deal with Kesha and Luke would still be in place. I think people either they might not understand the legal configuration with the different contracts or what they might be focusing more on is again, cause this is a public uh, response. What they might be focusing more on is that they 
have a certain view of Dr. Luke and they want to sort of see him losing or see him taken down or say, oh, good, Sony doesn't want to work with a person who supposedly did these terrible things. And that from an integrity standpoint, I think they, they're looking to Sony to make that move. But it still doesn't change the fact that there is a contract between Kesha and Dr. Luke. Now I'd like to get your thoughts on what this case might mean for recording artists generally. Let's cast sure. the net a little wider here. I, I sort of find these producer deals questionable in that they can exclusively tie artists to work with another person and don't necessarily provide for an easy way for either side to leave the deal if the relationship becomes toxic for one of them. Uh, what's your mm-hmm. impression of these kind of contracts? Well, I think it depends, like you mentioned, the relationship. It really depends on the relationship and who the parties are in these situations because there are plenty of times where an artist will sign an exclusive deal like this and the parties work together well and it works out. And maybe even after the term of that deal is over, maybe the parties still work together or at least they leave on good terms if they don't. So there are plenty of instances where it does work out But then there are instances like these where it doesn't. And usually it's not to the extent that this drama has has escalated. There are other situations where maybe an artist is locked into a deal that's not beneficial to their career, but maybe there's no abuse involved. And and I'm not saying I wasn't there, so I'm not saying whether the abuse happened or didn't happen in this case, but... um, you know, the, the circumstances vary. So there could be a situation where somebody is in an exclusive deal for a long period of time and it's just nothing's happening and it is hurting their career, but maybe that's the extent of it and the relationship is not necessarily as awful as it appears to be in this case. Or there's, you know, it just it just depends. There's so many different situations and and fact patterns in how this could play out. Let me take you to the world of hypotheticals here, Aaron. And I know okay. that you know, lawyers, we love the hypotheticals. Um, <laughs> but uh, based on everything you've said, let's say we have an artist who has a producer that wants to work with them and mm-hmm. they're being offered a sort of contract that contemplates the kind of relationship that Dr. Luke and Kesha have now. Sure. Um, assuming that the artist in this case is, you know, is, is not as famous as the producer, as is so often the case, um, are there any sort of modifications to the deal that might be advisable up front, um, that can sort of reduce the possibility of problems for the artist down the road? Sure. Now, again, this is whether you can actually get these modifications in the deal is going to depend on the parties involved. So as you said, in this particular hypothetical, it's going to be big time producer versus new young artists that and then this producer has promises of making her a star, which he (laughs) might very well be able to do. But there are certain things that can be built into the deal, certain triggers that say, well, if this happens, uh, we can terminate if things like that, different scenarios um, that can be put into place. However, again, getting them in there is a different thing because when you're in a situation like this, it's sort of like, hey, I'm a big time producer. And if you want to work with me, you got to pretty much sign what I want. And so in that case, 
a lot of times the newer artist is going to have to take a chance and hope that it works out for the best and kind of gauge based on the relationship or the interactions that she's had with the person because, you know, and that's something that, that I look at with my clients a lot is, is this a person that you want to work with regardless of whether they're going to make you a star or not? Are they going to make your life miserable in the process? So while there are certain aspects that can be built in, they might not, a producer of that stature might not be willing to build them in because he can just go find another young artist to make a star, whereas that artist might not have such an easy time finding another big name producer to make her his new project. Well, it really does speak to this idea of leverage and you know, Correct. And we we can certainly and, and, and maybe you might uh, disagree with me on this because you've had you maybe you, in, in your experience, you've had artists where you have, uh, you know, seen these deals take place and they do work out. But what what I often find myself telling artists is you're not going to get any concessions on a deal like this because you have no leverage. What might right. be useful is to take some time, build yourself up so that you can, you know, so when you, you know you do end up with one of these kind of uh, deal opportunities, you have a little bit of leverage that you can, you know, use to get some, you know, useful concessions in the deal. Um, if we had an artist like that, and and granted, this might not help. This might not have helped Kesha and Doctor Luke, um, given mm-hmm. the facts of their case. But I mean, are there things you can put into a deal where it might say, uh, you know, if you don't find, if the producer doesn't find me a record deal within X right. number of time, you can terminate the agreement, and that way you don't have one of these just essentially perpetual contracts. Exactly. Exactly. There's different. There's examples like that. If you, if there's not a record deal within a certain time, if there's not certain other milestones that happen within a certain time, those can be built in. Sometimes uh, it can be built in as sort of um, certain instances of egregious wrongdoing. If things like that happen, the contract can be terminated. Uh, so those are the kind of of things that I was alluding to before about what can be put in. And I think in a situation where we're talking about leverage in a case where it's a, a new artist, uh, the attorney that is negotiating that deal, I think also has some weight in, in that situation, uh, when representing, cause the artist itself does, or the artist himself or herself would not have that leverage, but having an attorney that is well-respected in the business or other, team members that are well-respected in the business can certainly help that as well. And to your point about waiting and building up sort of your own following to gain leverage, I I think that's a little bit of a gamble as well, because while it definitely helps for the artist to have more leverage, the time it might take to do that and whether the artist is able to do that on their own is another question. And they might not be able to get to a point where they have significantly more leverage without that producer. And, and then even if they do at that point, so much time might've gone by that the producer might not be even willing to work with them anymore. So that is, you know, again, depends on the situation because we're in a time now where even if you have a hundred thousand Twitter followers, that's not enough to necessarily get you signed. So 
uh, it's so sometimes artists that want these types of major label deals and pop stardom sort of need someone like not necessarily Dr. Luke, but someone that's had that type of success in the industry to really propel their career forward. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting case, and I think it's definitely going to have some significant implications uh, for artists going forward. Definitely. It will definitely be interesting to see how it develops. And I think it speaks, if I can allude to one other aspect of this, um, if you have the time. Certainly. Or uh, it, it really speaks to a bigger issue in the industry, more so than just contracts, but it speaks to the treatment of women within the business. And while many women artists are treated well within the business, there are instances where they are not. And, and young women are taken advantage of by people that have that power in the industry. And I think, again, not saying whether the abuse happened or did not happen in this instance, I think that's why so many female artists have come out in support of Kesha, because they know that it's a bigger issue behind the scenes that most people actually don't speak out about. So if it is true, they are really applauding Kesha for coming forward. If it's not true, then that is a horrible thing to be accusing someone of, of acts like that. But I think it's interesting that the people that have come forward are also people that have relationships with the players involved as well. So it's, people are definitely taking a stand and taking this case really personally and Again, whether the allegations are true or not, something that might be a good thing that comes out of this is maybe more people will pay attention to the treatment of female artists in the industry. And also, the as you were speaking to me about before, the implication of these types of contracts in the business. Right on. I, I mean, I, I certainly hope that you know a silver lining in all this could hopefully be a greater dialogue on all these Mm -hmm. issues and that, you know, steps can be made to make the music industry a little more hospitable for the players involved. Uh, Exactly. Aaron, thanks very much for being on with us. We'd love to have you on again. Sure. Thanks. I'd love to be on again. My pleasure. All right. We'll be right back on the Break the Business podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. If you like the show, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. If you want to reach out to us, shoot us an email at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. Our thanks to Aaron M. Jacobson for joining us in the previous segment, talking to us about the Kesha Dr. Luke litigation and just, you know, really, you know, helping to just clarify that whole crazy mess. And God, you know, she's she's so unusually good as a guest because mm-hmm. she she can break this stuff down so easily. And and, you know, she's just she's just a great lawyer. And, yeah, yeah. and it's it's hard to find somebody who's both a great, knowledgeable lawyer, but somebody you can also put on a podcast and just do a good job. And she checks off all the boxes. What are you talking about? We're two for two. 
Well, three for three if you count her. Oh, that's right. Three for three. Yeah, but I'm saying before you met her, there was still us. That's true. So. Well, I mean, but look, I mean, you set a whole other standard and, you know, we can't compare any of them to you, but like she's at least, she's at least somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, David K podcaster extraordinaire. Oh, thank you very much. Um, let me just say this before we move into what we're going to talk about here in the third segment. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is just so unprofessional to even like talk about this because you're supposed to stay on task, but. I just want to say, like, I see you wearing the Panthers shirt right now, mm-hmm. Florida Panthers, and we're going to a Panthers game after this, you and me. Oh, yeah, we're doing a show hockey game. Yeah. We should, pro- should we remote R- podcast from the Panthers game? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll haul all this equipment in the truck and we'll just do it. Yeah. Or you know what? We'll just record we'll record the television broadcast. The next episode will just be Steve Goldie Goldstein, Denny Potvan, and Red Deer Randy Moeller on the, uh, the Break the Business podcast. Uh-oh. And Uh-oh. If, I'm wondering if if anyone knew those three names <laughs> i feel like i'm giving you an opening now like I, I quickly mentioned like that i'm excited to go to this hockey game with you and all of a sudden hockey dave's about to come out and be like all right cool i got licensed to make this a hockey segment except like, i said i used red deer randy moeller you did i like that because now i'm sure krista hartman knows about red deer because she's up you know she's from canada yeah our guest from she's like in, three or four weeks ago yeah yeah yeah. now she's in alberta is, is, is red deer ryan do you know is red deer in alberta Ryan, it's time to break out our Canadian geography segment. <laughs> do you know where Medicine Hat is? That's a name of a Canadian city? Yes. Do you know where Moose Jaw is? I've heard of that city name. It, I'll give you that much. I almost feel like, could you play a, a, a game, Canadian city or words? I like that. <laughs> we might need to do that next week. But is that going to alienate our Canadian listeners? So Krista Hartman's going to be mad, but everybody else will think it's funny? Oh, you're saying we have no other, we have no listeners north of the border. No, if you are a Canadian listener to this podcast and you're not Krista Hartman, our guest from like four weeks ago, email the podcast. I'm pretty sure we don't because I love Canada. Although, to be fair, I have only been to the province of Quebec. I've just been to Montreal and then Quebec City a non-consecutive trips. I still need to make my way around the rest of the, uh, the Great White North. Oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. excited to go to the hockey game with you, pal. That yeah. was my very long way of saying that. Yeah. Um, before we um, get ready for that game, because mm-hmm. um, I, I mean, I, I, I got hockey on the brain. I'm so excited. Yeah. We're gonna beat those uh, those hosers from Philadelphia. Eh? <laughs> eh? Yeah, those hose heads. <laughs> sure love living here in Miami. Eh? <laughs> oh yeah, it's a lot less snowy. Yeah, we're pretty hot. Yeah, um, but a lot more rain. Bef- before we talk about this, I want to do the rest of the show like this. Eh? Yes, exactly. Like Bob and Doug McKenzie? I want to take an argument that we've been having off the air for about the better part of two days now. Oh, yeah? And I want to bring it here on this show right now. Oh, okay. Oh, for God's sake. What's wrong, Rain? I'm sorry. I'm just going to do the show like this, right? I'm sorry. During the preview for the movie Deadpool, there there was a movie trailer for... A a, a rated R movie trailer. Yeah. Well, I mean, they were all like R-rated for Deadpool, no? Mostly? Yeah, I don't wait. I don't um, think Zootopia was in there. <laughs> I saw that last night, by the way. It was magical. Uh, oh, you know what? I don't need to see it because the trailer already basically gave me the funny parts. Like, oh, the DMV scene was in there, I bet, right? Well, yeah, with the sloths. And the sloth, that was, the so sloth funny. was slow. Yeah, okay, fine. I've seen it 40 times. I saw Star Wars five times, so I've seen Zootopia at least five times. I don't need to see it now. I've, see, I had a free ticket. Um, I, I, I don't want to spoil the movie for you. I, I'm sure the but, good animals win. <laughs> but let me, like, I just I want to say this to you. The movie is more than just the trailer. In fact, 
the best, the most value the movie has is not anything that's in the trailer. The trailer makes it just looks like it's a bunch of animals talking to each other. And really, there's a very great, powerful, terrific message in that movie that is not in the trailer, and it makes the movie worth seeing. It's delivered by Jerry Orbach, just coming on screen as Jerry Orbach. Jerry Orbach? Yeah. Like, the guy from Law & Order who was the candlestick in Beauty and the Beast? Yeah. What does he have to do with this? That's like the serious moment, just Jerry Orbach just comes on screen. First of all, and the kids are like, like the five-year-old next to you, like, hey, you, what the hell is Jerry Orbach doing here? And you're like, how the hell do you know who Jerry Orbach is, kid? Oh, I don't know. How am I talking to you like this, you you stranger? Stop talking to me. If Jerry, first of all, I don't even know how you took me down this road, but if Jerry Orbach showed up in this movie. As Jerry Orbach. That would be spectacular in itself because he's been dead for like 10 years. Okay, fine then. He's a voice and he's Jerry Orbat. (laughs) He's a bat flying around. Yeah. I can't believe you've let solving me down crimes. This. So it's a great movie, Dave. I will. It's to me, it's right up there with the best animated movies that Disney has ever done. It's up there with Lion King. It's up there with Aladdin, Frozen. Um, really? It's. I'm, I'm telling you, I was shocked too. I thought this was just going to be another talking animal movie, but this is a really good movie. Huh? It's got like a 99 on Rotten Tomatoes. It's good. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll be I'll be interested when Disney does Animal Farm. Animal Farm. Let's see them put a positive spin on that. <laughs> um. Anyway, so, so the whole point is during uh, we got sidetracked. So yeah. You saw Zootopia, which did not have the trailer probably for Hardcore Henry. Yes, that's the movie we were talking about. Hardcore Henry, uh, a new movie coming out. Well, it's not really a new movie because it's been out in festivals and stuff, but it's coming out again in April. From STX Entertainment. I don't know. This looks like the biggest piece of hot flaming garbage ever. Oh, look at you already starting on this, hating this movie. It's a, okay, it's an action movie. And unlike most action movies, <laughs> yeah. it's, it is a new concept in the sense that the whole movie is shot from the first person perspective. Essentially, the viewer plays the role of the main character in this movie. And so you're watching this character fight enemies and, you know, run away from explosions and do all the action hero stuff, but it's all happening from a first person perspective. I saw this trailer and I lost it for, I thought like everybody in the theater was like, this is so cool. And I thought it was awesome. And I'm so excited to see this movie. Through the magic of technology, we're now going to transport you to the board meeting for the pitch of this movie. Guys, we need a new idea. People are sick and tired of the same old action movies, right? What do we do? I know. What do people like? What do kids like? What do young men who like action movies like? Video games? Yeah. What kind of video games? First-person shooters? Yeah. What do you say? You want to make a first-person shooter? No. We're going to make a movie that's a first-person shooter. That they can't play. Because <laughs> what do kids love more than anything? Not playing video games. Even though we just said they like playing video games. <laughs> We're going to take that data that they like playing and interacting with a video game and make sure they don't do either. It's like, what's the part of video games that kids like the most? Cutscenes. <laughs> yeah. We're just going to... And, 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 Literally, that's it. And the, the the opening part of the trailer is the beginning of the freaking video game. All right, like, oh, uh, Activision Studios presents and Electronic Arts Los Angeles, Ubisoft Montreal presents Hardcore Henry. You Like, the screen comes up. It's like, oh, 
Hello, Henry. How's it going? I see you're awake. Oh, do me a favor. Look over here to the right for me, please. And then on screen, the deep, the 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 D pad, the stick will like you go give you like the little arrow like push this point, button right. to look left. Right, yeah, you're left. Right, that's right. That's great, Henry. And then all of a sudden, I expect in the middle of the movie, all of a sudden there'll be a pause and be like, "Would you like to? Would the audience like to invert the Y axis?" <laughs> Which, by the way, why do they even give you the option to invert the Y axis? Who plays it with pushing up? As who plays it that way? To like push up to look up and yeah. look down. I'm, I I don't I don't think I've ever met anyone that has not inverted the y axis. Why it's just not the default. I've never known. Well, some people just like up and up. Ugh. Up is up, down is down. Well, up was a horrible movie too. Anyway, um, besides the point. Okay. Um, if you want to talk about, it, we'll we'll talk about it too. Worst, uh, the most horrifying ten minutes opening of any movie ever. All right. Well, well let's, um, let's put that aside and get back to because I mean that's an interesting so conversation. This, it, it, but yeah, hardcore again, Henry. It's it's structured like a video game. Yeah. It it, it is Call of Duty where it's like a bunch of like quick time events to learn out. The freaking villain is like this bleach blonde with like a weird sideways haircut. Like he, it, it like, okay, no, this is a, probably out of a Konami studios. He looks like a Japanese bad guy, like from Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> he literally looks like he's one of the Metal Gear Solid villains. He does. He does. All right. And then you've got your, oh, you're South African guy. He's going to help you out. He's going to be a mentor. I'm going to help you kill the people and get revenge. Yeah, there is there is the mentor character who helps yeah. you along the and way. And then he even says like, "Is your voice has your voice modulator been installed yet?" And then you see that the camera shake. No, it's like well, at least we know you're not deaf. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, because generally speaking, in first person shooters, you're, you're, you don't your character doesn't well, talk. They need a line of dialogue to explain why this person whose perspective you're in doesn't talk in the movie. Oh, that yeah, that's that that's wonderful, helpful exposition. Oh, good job. That's guys. exactly what it was. This no, look, I, I, okay. who wrote this thing? I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to look up like who wrote this thing because. It, it literally is a video game. Okay, and, and you like this for some odd reason. Again, it makes no sense to me because who watches a game? I mean, or is this that like, hey, we're gonna make a movie because people like that PewDiePie guy? That's true. Which There's is, a lot of people who like watching other people play video but games. But that's but that's you but that's watching a guy watching guys play video game and commenting on it. So that's like basically going to the movie and have like a Siskel and Ebert, not anymore, or a, like a little like guy in the right hand corner. Okay, is it director's commentary? I don't know. What do you people want? This is stupid. It looks look. And also, okay, okay, all right. The Warcraft movie, yeah, which also is basically one giant Blizzard cutscene. Yeah. You know, would you like it? Would you go to see a movie if that movie was like an isometric top down view? If that's how the movie took place. Like you're looking at a real time strategy game. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. The the the, the, the isometric look down. What if that was a movie? That probably wouldn't be very interesting. Exactly. So why we're we doing this first person shooter? It looks because it looks awesome. The action's right in your face, like you're moving around and and look Ugh. and look and, and, and putting all of that aside, John Wick would totally kill this guy in ten seconds. Well, John, that's like that was a cool movie. That's too. a good movie. That's interesting. That's something that's really cool and innovative, even though it doesn't feel like it. This looks so stupid. It looks awesome. It looks exciting. Like my, my my pulse was racing throughout the entire preview. Look, man, 
the entire like movies for the last 10 years, it's been X-Men, 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 Avengers, 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 Spider-Man, and then another Spider-Man, and now we have a third Spider-Man, and it's all sequels, adaptations, and reboots. Hollywood has found themselves fundamentally incapable of original ideas. And now this has come along, it's different. It's, you know, completely changing the way we watch movies. We've been watching movies in third person since the since the days of Nickelodeons, and now we finally get something in the first person. That's imaginative. I, I always Wait. reward Hollywood when they're willing to do something different. And in this case, the something different is taking what another industry does as standard and presenting it as their own borrowing from other industries that's that's fine by me like i just like the idea that that's Hollywood's like doing saying, something different that, that's like saying if major league baseball came out and said you know we've got you know we're kind of lagging behind it's not as exciting we're not getting the youth and everything so we here at major league baseball have made some changes first of all the, sh- the field we're going to get to a whole new field we're gonna do a radical redesign it's going to be 120 yards long It'll be a giant rectangle. <laughs> and we're going to have 10 yard or five yard hash marks, right? And we're going to take the ball, the, 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 the boring sphere that you all know. We're going to go and make it bigger and elongate it and make it um, kind of look like. Uh, like Lemon shaved. Kind of, yeah. But, you know, maybe wrap it with pig skin or something. I don't know. We're going to give the players now helmets to wear all the time as opposed to just in the batting box. We're also going to have them hit each other, and um, we're just making football, folks. That's essentially what you've just said. Well, no, it's it. They're like, okay, oh, we're out of ideas. Let's just take that idea that's already over there. Like changing the perspective of a narrative is a really cool, really interesting idea. Like we've been telling, we've been doing movies in third person forever, and now you get to be the main character in a movie. That that's interesting to me. Like, even, by the way, that's a that's a that's a pitch for a Universal Studios or Disney ride. You get to be the main character of a movie. Now at Disney Hollywood Studios, that's exactly what like, that is. And, and and by the way, it's just a movie trailer, and so I can't confirm that this is actually going to be good. It could be terrible. Oh, you you can't confirm it'll be good. Really, of course not. No, it, it might be great. I mean, but the point is. I am at least excited at the prospect of seeing it. And maybe it's going to be bad, but it could be awesome. And either way, I am always willing to appreciate when Hollywood takes chances, when they do something different. Like, for example, about three or four years ago, they had the, the Tom Hanks movie Cloud Atlas. And I know we're going to, you know, way different from going from Hardcore Henry to Cloud Atlas. Mm-hmm. When Cloud Atlas came out, the guy who wrote Cloud Atlas came out and said, my book it, the guy who wrote the book that the movie was based on, um, she said, my book is unfilmable. Like the, the story is way too complicated. It's way too messy. There's too many things going on. And someone said, challenge accepted. That's exact, but right. That's exactly what happened is Hollywood said, challenge accepted. And you know what? They lost money. <laughs> it was a terrible box office catastrophe. And the movie was unfilmable. And the movie was a big mess. And I walked out of there going, this movie was a big mess. But... I appreciate Hollywood giving it a shot, trying something different. Instead of making one more X-Men movie, instead of making one more adaptation sequel remake, they did something that had a de- some degree of difficulty. And frankly, I give Hollywood you know, partial credit for at least trying. And also, wow, Hugh Grant as the bad guy at the end there. He didn't even realize that was him in that uh, tribe makeup. 
Oh man, it got really messy toward the end, like because they have the characters playing the same, like the, mm-hmm. the, the actors playing different characters in each era. So you have like an Asian actress who's like taped her eyes to look like a Civil War, you know, antebellum Southerner, and it was just like, oh, it's getting really weird, and it's coming off. And the, the white rails. guy is the Asian guy. Yeah, it 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 it, it and that and that future speak. Yeah, at the end. Oh, with Tom Hanks, like in that weird kind of English. Yeah, that was so, that was so weird. No, it was. It was. It was a disaster. No, I'm no, telling it, you. But I appreciate Hollywood saying challenge accepted when the author said my book is unfilmable. All right, fine. If these guys want to do this, then I hope they. Because this is obviously, I feel like this whole movie is one giant wink at the audience. Kind of like, huh? Ah, uh, see what, see, see what we did here. Ah, uh, 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 this guy. <laughs> in fact, like, they sh- better sh- have. should that be the movie? Like the movie has like the mo- while the movie is going on, just have like in the bottom right hand corner a Hollywood executive going, ah, uh, see what we're doing here. Uh. That, but also <laughs> what they better have is like in the top part, they better have a heart or some hearts up there. <laughs> How many lives you have? An energy bar? Something? Yes. Yeah. So when you pick up body armor, you know. Yeah. I, uh, this is, my God, every time I think about it, just it's so stupid. You go looking through drawers and everything. It's just, it's just, they filmed the video game you can't play. So I got you angry. Yes. And But I want to talk about something that we left about 20 minutes ago. You didn't like Up? You the, did? I thought Up was a masterpiece. You've Ugh. been so anti-Pixar the last two weeks. You didn't like Wally? What you, I love Wally. I just wish they had the guts to make it what it could have been. All right, but now, but you don't like Up. The first 10 minutes are the most horrifying thing it in any really movie. It is a really sad 10 minutes. Yeah. And like they get gonna, you crying right I'm out I'm never going to watch it again. I uh, The only time I ever watched it was on the couch when I was married with my ex-wife. And that was like, you know, crying. We were both crying together. It was sad. Um, that and fr- then Those first 10 minutes. But, but after that, it's like, <laughs> join the hijinks of an elderly man who almost really think about leaves a kid to die outside of his front porch while he says 30,000 feet. It's a marvelous adventure. No, it's not. You know, they, he fa- he found uh, whatever that 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 whatever falls, but he also found himself. Oh, you know and he what? found his purpose. Uh, all the balloons. Yeah, just go to Boca. <laughs> all right. There's Don't a, give me this whole. Uh, a perfectly good retirement village in Pembroke Pines. He could have went to. Yeah. <sighs> go to Del Boca Vista Phase Three. <laughs> Uh, no, no, I, I'm never going to watch it again. You can't pay me to watch it again. One, because it is sad, and I, I don't need to be reminded that people have uh, love in their life. Um, <laughs> I can't, but like, I, I feel like you're alone on this one, too. No, I, have no, you, have you met anybody else who's like has your views on Up? I haven't really talked about it, really. But because it's just like, ugh, I don't know. Ugh, does anybody, any, any other listeners out there, does does any of you share Dave's views on Up, the Pixar movie Up? Uh, let us know. Break the business at it's gmail.com. Bo- okay, okay, all right. Wally, Incredibles, Toy Story, mm-hmm. Cars, Brave, Brave of me. Yes, I agree. <laughs> I can't remember Brave. I know what it is. I just don't know if I saw it, so I can't. So it's NA. Okay, uh, and not applicable. Toy Story Two. What was that one about? Did the toys come to life in that one? <laughs> I think so. I'm already I'm already forgetting Pixar movies. Fro- is Frozen Pixar? No, it's no. just Disney. Finding Nemo, A Bug's Life. Fi- oh, oh, okay, fine. Yeah, so Wally, Incredibles, Toy Story. I'll take Cars over Finding Nemo, but then Finding Nemo. But what? I like the Cars. Cars? Yeah. They only made that movie to sell toy cars. 
Okay, it worked. I like the cars. <laughs> and those out west, it was nice. It was cool. Uh, did you see a good dinosaur? No. no. Why? Inside Out? I didn't see Inside Out, actually, still. Oh. They're still both, watch it. They're both very good. Yeah. But uh, no, no, no. Uh, Up is not is not a top five Pixar movie. Really? Really. Really? I'll take the first... Uh, I think you're just anti-Ed Asner. No. 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 <laughs> Although, is John Ratzenberger in that? He's got to be. He's in all of them, right? He's in most of them. Yeah, but I mean, what, what does he play? A balloon? Oh, wow, well, I'm up in the... You know, I was like, oh, well, hey, there guys. You go. Hey, uh, hey, guys, oh, it's really nice to be up in the air here. <laughs> I wonder if George Clooney's with us. <laughs> oh, no, I'm going to pop. <laughs> there it is. Okay. <laughs> I was waiting for the pop. I knew it was coming. Do you like how I did that, George Clooney, up in the air? Oh wow! No, I missed that. You yeah. didn't even notice it. No, well. I don't. I, I, I'm, thanks for bringing that joke back, so I could get another chance to laugh at it. Yeah, thank you. All right, our thanks to Aaron Jacobson for joining us in the previous segment, um, and our thanks to you, of course, yeah. as well, Dave, for stopping by. Else? Was there something else we were going to talk about? I have no idea, but you know, you've already. I'm already gone with the outro. Don't you want to get over to the Panthers game? Oh, Glenn closes and hook. Oh right, yes, uh, you did reveal that to me. Yeah. Do you want like? You know, we'll, we'll take a step back here. So. Yeah, yesterday... You- oh, yeah, you, you you people think that it's just Robin Williams, and by the way, Dustin Hoffman, that was a, a major woe to you when I told you that in college, that Dustin Hoffman was Hook. Yeah, I know, that blew my mind. So we're you talking know? about the 1991 movie Hook. Yes, okay. which is a masterpiece. Rufi, oh! oh! That movie never... Like, the critics were hard on that movie. I don't know why, it's a great movie! It is a great movie. Um, Although it is horrifying when you think about it. It is a place that makes you forget your obligations. Yeah, that's true. He he was going to abandon those kids. <laughs> he was straight going to abandon right. so, those kids. Yeah, you 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 shocked me when you told me that Dustin Hoffman Glenn, was Hook. I had uh, no idea. And, and Glenn Close, not a mermaid. Obviously, not Tinkerbell. That's Julia Roberts. Yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow is young Wendy. Yeah. Or maybe she got the idea to be British from there. <laughs> Maggie Smith is old Wendy. Mm-hmm. Glenn Close is a male pirate. Yeah. In fact, is the pirate that that makes the boo boo and goes in the boo box? I mean, I when that you told is me that Glenn Close, when you told me that, I thought you were a damn liar. I had to check it out yesterday, and I was like, oh my god, that's freaking Glenn Close. She's an amazing actress, and she's done a lot of great roles. Her two minutes of screen time as a male pirate who gets thrown in the boo box—that might be the best performance of her career. It was tremendous. Yes, like I, I thought she was a male pirate. Yeah, I mean, it always something it always seemed interesting about that pirate. Like, but he was like, "Wow, that person, that pirate, really has light eyes," <laughs> or something. But it, so, by the way, if you have been like in love with that pirate, now you know why it's Glenn Close, <laughs> so American Treasure. You don't have to be confused by your feelings anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, American Treasure, Glenn Close, the closer. Wait, is she the closer? No, that'd be Kira Sedgwick. It's Kira Sedgwick. Oh, because I thought like, wait, that'd be stupid, right? <laughs> yes, it's like Glenn. <laughs> who should we get for our our show, <laughs> the closer? Glenn Close? Is that too obvious? Is she available? <laughs> no, she's. We're, we're we're hearing no. We're hearing she's not going to stoop to that level. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, Sedgwick, we'll, we'll get Sedgwick. We'll just get uh, the lady that's the mom in The Incredibles. Wait, is that her? Is that Cure Sedgwick? I don't know. I don't watch any of those TNT shows. <laughs> All right. Now can we close? Now we can close right. on, on uninteresting TNT shows. All right. Our thanks to everybody. Uh, thanks to you, Dave. Thanks to Aaron Jacobson. Thank you. We will see you next week on the Break the Business Podcast.
You're going to give me a cue? No cue? All right. This is all part of it. This is an appendix to the show you just listened to, listeners. Happy birthday, Gabby Fernandez. 30th birthday. Yay. We appreciate you, loyal listener. 